Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. It never ceases to amaze me that God speaks and He speaks today. And I'm quite moved by that because since 1974, I felt the call of God to serve Him Never felt equipped for the role and still don't. Someone said to me this morning, do you still get nervous? I said, yep. I'm just amazed that the God of the universe speaks today. But I can look back now over the last 20 years when I thought He spoke then and now I know He really did. Because I can see the things come to pass that He said would happen. And it was about three weeks ago, we were worshipping a beautiful time of worship in the staff meeting. And as we were worshipping, one word came into my head. Well, it was a sentence really. It says, I am the God of the after. I am the God of the after. And it just hit me and I shared it with the staff just in a moment. And it didn't leave me when I left the room. And so today's message is, I believe in the God of the after life. It's not just after life when we die, but there's an after in life when we believe in the God of the after, the issues that happen to us in life. And I know that to be true in my own life. As I share with people, I'm actually a lot happier to live with the fact that I don't have all the answers, but the ones I do have really work. And the ones I do have are for real and they've carried me, they don't confuse me, they bring clarity to my life. The opening Scripture today is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support and strengthen you and He will place you on a firm foundation. Isn't it good that when everything's shaking, there's a firm foundation available for us? And when everything has been shaking in my own life, I've been able to discover this amazing foundation, the God of the hereafter, the God who is here after the tests and trials of life move on. After a young man called Joseph, who did everything right and got a dream from God and thought his future was amazing, finds himself in prison for quite a long time as an innocent boy, as an innocent young man. After that suffering, he becomes Prime Minister of Egypt. After Job experienced so much suffering and loss, God restores blessings and favour back to His life. It didn't look like it used to look before. My life doesn't look like it used to look before. I know I mentioned a lot about my son's passing. It's so much a part of my life. But yesterday I was going through photos and I found the photo of the day my grandson was born. And there's my son, me and my grandson at the hospital straight after the birth. And now he's in heaven. But I can say categorically, I know the blessing of after, even through the pain. After a woman is judged for her adultery, 
She is promised wholeness instead of brokenness after she obeyed God. After Ezekiel, a man in the Bible, a prophet of God, was confronted with a valley of dead bones, preached for so many years and nobody listened, spoke so many times and it totally ignored him, stands in front of a valley of dead bones and an army rises up. I believe in the God of after. After Jesus cleanses the temple, one day he gets a whip and he goes into the temple and he starts cleaning out the temple. I think there's a cleaning up going on right now. Next Sunday, I'm gonna speak about how do we deal with sin in the church? I feel we need to speak about the things that are happening around us because I got good news. Good news, Jesus is building His church. He goes into the temple, He gets a whip and He cleans out the temple. I said to God one day, if you were to come to the church right now and clean out the church, what would you clean out? He said, personal agendas, polluted motives and perverted mission. It definitely was God because they all start with P. But anyway, um, you know what happens in the Bible? Soon as that happens, all the kids come running into the temple, running around in the temple after he cleans the temple and he starts healing people. You know what? There's a generational blessing coming and every time God cleans the church, generations don't walk away. They come to God. They run towards Him, not away from Him like we heard this morning. After Jesus was crucified, He rises from the dead. Aren't we glad of the here? After, after this life, eternal life. We need to hang on to the God of the after life. After losing a child, after cancer, after handing over my church at the age of 57, at a time when the church was flourishing and everything was going well, I was on Grange Road, driving home from a board meeting, uh, having a good time and a voice inside my head says, hand it over now. I go, why? I'm having a good time. Church is going well. You see, God had an after waiting for that decision. Because for years I've been preaching, we've got to prepare the next generation. We're not just here for us. And I'd rather resign a day early and be missed than a day late and be hissed. And so, you know, uh, sorry, the medication. And... Uh, And on the way home now, and I, I remember ringing Jonathan Fontana Rosa, who now leads Edge Church. I said, Jonathan, it's now. He goes, what do you mean? I said, you need to take over now. My time is up now. God's got something else. I had no idea that after that decision, I would be mentoring 13 churches and working with denominations across the body of Christ and getting to come here and be part of this family and to work on a Tuesday with the staff and team and, and be part of something that I didn't know was after what I did. But God's after is a good after if we trust Him. After COVID, God's covenant blessing is not destroyed. After COVID, there is great life. God, can I stop and just say this? I think, and I'll put myself in this position. I think as Christians, we've missed a lot of what could have happened during COVID by not learning the great things God's trying to say in this season. 
How does a guy like John on the Isle of Patmos, where he's put on this island, uh, put in a vat of oil, they're gonna murder him. He's on on an island full of uh, people that were just off the planet. And he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Writes the book of Revelation. How can you be in the Spirit on the Lord's day in that situation? You see, God isn't subject to an event. He is with us every day, all the time. And even through COVID, I've been able to, and I'm not saying this boastfully, but I've been able to learn things about God during COVID that I think can give us perspective on what's gonna be built post-COVID and what the church is gonna look like in the future. And at this place, we're having great conversations about what are the things God wants to change for the future. So we don't waste COVID. Don't waste your corona. (laughs) Sorry. You see, after we sin, there's a Saviour that forgives, heals and restores. I'm glad He's the God of the after. You see, God is the great revealer in times like this because He wants to be the great healer in times like this. He doesn't just want us to feel morbid and down. He wants to reveal the things that don't work. I mean, everybody's having a go at the coach of Port Adelaide right now. For those of you that are Port Adelaide supporters and and having a go at his coaching, I was with my non-Christian friends on Friday. Boy, did I hear on who needs to be sacked and who needs to get rid of. But when things are addressed, when things aren't working, it prepares a better after. And God is right now, I believe, doing something amazing in His church. And so I wanna go to a passage of Scripture, read it in your own time, because it's a whole chapter and we won't have time to read it this morning, but I will pick each verse that I quote. And it's out of the book of Hebrews chapter 13. And it was about 20 years ago, I was in Melbourne, always journaling uh, when I'm not preaching somewhere and I was journaling through the Bible and something came into my head and anything smarter than I can think of that comes into my head, it's probably God. And so I'm sitting there writing these notes and I wrote down seven shakings that were gonna come to the planet. Seven shakings all in Hebrews 13, predominantly in the life of the church. I remember preparing it and preaching it at different conferences and it was like people got it, but they weren't real sure. Now, all these years later, I went and read them recently again and I go, wow, this is exactly what's happening in the church. I remember one time we were having prayer meetings in the Adelaide Hills with our young people when I was youth pastor at Paradise and, and uh, we were praying for our city and we're up in One Tree Hill in an old church praying and, and you know, I, uh, I felt this incredible sense of supernatural uh, things happening in our youth group at the time. We were exposing the occult. A lot of young people were involved in the occult. And I was really intensely praying for God to open our hearts to the supernatural and the the things of God in that realm. And one morning I used to live at Modbury North around the corner from where you had the church there at Paravista. And I was going for a walk and I'm not great with dogs. And I was going for a walk and this little dog came up behind me and started barking at me and I'm freaking out because I'm not real good with dogs. And this dog did it three mornings in a row. Don't know where the dog came from, but on the third morning, I had this thought, turn around and bark at the dog. <laughs> so I turned around and went, the dog, and the dog turned around and took off. 
And I go, wow. So a whole lot of sermons came into my head. It's time to bark at your dog. And as I'm walking the streets praying, something came into my head that says, you can be a step ahead of the devil. The dog was behind you, not in front of you. And you can be a step ahead of the devil. The following Friday night, we're at Anstey's Hill in a, uh, sorry, One Tree Hill in an old church praying. And about midnight, it was a half night of prayer. And about midnight, I said to the young people, let's turn towards the Adelaide Hills and let's by faith push back the powers of darkness over our city. And we did that in prayer and it was a bit heavy going and it was late at night and kids were tired, but I thought it was more than that. It was a spiritual thing. Sunday morning, I'm standing in the foyer shaking hands with people and a young guy who'd been in that prayer meeting comes running up to me with a Sunday mail. Front page of the Adelaide Sunday Mail. 13 witches covens in the Adelaide Hills pray against the church. He goes, we prayed Friday night. This has come out after on Sunday. And I thought, yeah, we can be a step ahead of the devil. We can be ahead of the enemy and we can see what's coming and we can put our battle boots on. We might be the bride of Christ, but underneath our wedding dress, we've got battle boots on and we need to fight the enemy with the fruit of the Spirit and we need to come against the power of the enemy. And so these seven shakings, I could see ahead of time, which I didn't realise at the time, were some of the things we were going to encounter. Here we go, Hebrews chapter 13. Now, just before we start that, in Hebrews 12, 28, listen to this. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Next week, I wanna talk about some of the people that go, oh, the church, I'm sick of the church. You can't trust the church. The church, uh, last time I checked, we win. And last time I checked, we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And so it says, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping Him with holy fear and awe. And then chapter 13 starts. And in the Bible, you don't have chapter distinctions. It just keeps writing. And in chapter 13, it starts with these shakings. Shaking number one, very quickly. Number one is friendships. Remember God speaking to my heart. I know it was God and He's going, you know, some of the biggest challenges in church world is gonna be what friends do together in that world. How friends treat one another in the Christian world. Where did you get that from? Well, verse one, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. One version, keep on loving each other with true Christian love. You know, Christians often do friendships no different than the world. If I disagree with you, I'm out of here. It doesn't say disconnect from each other when you don't agree. It says keep on loving, continue loving one another. And I have discovered that friendships, whether you're in church or anywhere else, have an effect on where you end up in life. Your ands in your life will determine your ends in your life. 
Peter and John. I've preached on that before here. The ands in our life. At the age of 16, I was in church and as I was praying yesterday, I felt there's young people here this morning or some online that need to hear this. 16 years of age, the call of God was on my life. At the age of 11, my life had been impacted by God. And I'm now hanging around with some of my Italian mates who were into cars, we're into Falcon GTs. I wish I had one now. And uh, we're into all that stuff. But we're also starting to get up to some stuff that wasn't gonna be good for my life. I remember one night we were going to an event and they had a plan for my life. These are my mates I grew up in church with. They were gonna get me drunk that night and other stuff was gonna happen. We were going to a place down at Henley Beach where a whole gang of people were gonna meet to have this wild party. As we're driving down McGill Road, I know exactly where it was. On the outside, I was trying to be cool and tough because you wanna belong. You wanna fit in with the crowd. And so, yeah, can't wait to what's gonna happen. And on the inside, I'm crying. And I said, God, you get me out of this and I'll give you my life for the rest of my life if you can just get me out of this mess because this could be the beginning of the end for me. We turned up at Henley Beach. We went to this group of flats where we were gonna have this party. And for some reason, nobody turned up that night except our car that we were in. And on the inside, I'm going, God, thank you. And my life from that moment turned around by changing my friends. And by changing who my friends were, my life was completely given an opportunity to discover the real God. And I value friendships very well. And I just wanna say friendships that a Christian should connect, they should comfort, they should carry us when we go through tough times, but they should also confront us. They should also correct us and they should also continue with us. And I am still learning this lesson, but I wanna tell you, I, I, I hang out with all types of different people. and Some of them right now aren't travelling really well, but I'm not discontinuing, but I will not compromise. And I wanna say to some of the young people uh, in the house today, Jesus is about to do something awesome on the planet. The Kingdom of God is not gonna be shaken. We're gonna see church get better, not worse. And don't make excuses because you're hanging around with cynical people that are questioning the church. It ain't gonna take you anywhere. It's not gonna work for you. We need to choose our friendships well because God's allowing that to be shaken. I wanna say this, in the Christian Western church, when someone gets offended, now I'm grandpa today, I can say this. When, when someone gets offended in a church, they share their offence with their friends. And then their friends get offended on their friend's behalf. And then they leave the church in groups and they go off in groups and they have divorce parties. They have divorce parties. They go, did they hurt you? Yeah, they hurt me too. Did they abuse you? Yeah, they abused me too. It's amazing with all the stuff that's hitting the newspapers right now, how many people who willingly gave themselves to serve are now saying, we were abused. Now we've got to take care of that stuff and look at that. There are sides of truth in some of those things because we can overuse people or whatever without even meaning to. But did you give your life to Jesus or did you give your life to the church? And if we give our lives to Christ, when the church lets us down, Christ doesn't. I've been in the church all my life and I've seen some crazy things in church, but I never gave my life to church. I gave my life to Christ and through Christ I serve the church. 
So God is shaking friendships. And I believe we're gonna end up with friendships that are real where we can speak into each other's lives. Can you imagine friends in this church and someone gets cynical or whatever? You don't tell them off and blast it. Hang on a minute now. Let let me tell you what the Word of God says. This is how we need to respond. We need to be faithful are the wounds of a friend, the book of Proverbs says. I could spend all morning just on this one. Number two, God is shaking the focus of the church. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realising it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. I believe, and I'm, I'm not saying this about any particular church, but for the last 20 or 30 years as the large big C church, most of the focus is on building inward. And right now, you know, when we see Pastor Kath get up here and talk about the community, let's not look at that as just an addition to what we do. It is who we are. It's our heart. Do you know, I had a missions department at Edge Church and I shut it down. When I was pastoring my church, I shut the missions department down because I realised we left all the care for the broken to the department. And one day I shut the department down and said, now the missions department is led by me, the senior pastor, and we're gonna be a church that's missional. The whole church is gonna be missional. And our giving to missions went through the roof because it didn't get left to a group, but it became the whole family. God is shaking the focus of the church and in the next 10 or 20 years, we're gonna see the church be more visible in the community than ever before. The world out there is gonna honour us and they're not gonna go on TV and point fingers at the church being what the church is, but they're gonna go on and say, we're grateful, we're thankful, we're so grateful that the church is in our community. I see that shaking of the focus. Matthew 22, the great commandment. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. And the law and the prophets hang on all these two commandments. You know, God is simplifying the church. One of the things I love about the conversations we're having with Pastor Kath and Pastor Tony and the team is what do we need to simplify to multiply? What do we need to do? You know, what do we need to do to be able to, 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 to be the church and not just have an institution? And so I'm really glad that this place is organised and it's really organised well. You'd be proud because I've been in the engine room and you'd be proud of the accountability and what's happening behind the scenes. But let me tell you, we're going to be more than an organisation. We're going to be an organism that goes out and changes community and see every one of you unlocked into your personal gift. See you unlocked into your calling and then the church becomes the church. Number three is fidelity. Verse four, give honour to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. We have an infidelity problem right now in our community. It's in the church as well, but it's not just fidelity in marriage, although this Scripture is definitely addressing that and we need to. In the Southern Belt, Bible Belt of America, where the Bible's preached more than anywhere else, the divorce rate amongst Christians is higher than non-Christians. 
So it's not just knowing stuff, it's doing stuff. It's not just belief, it's behaviour. But it's got to come out of conviction. But I can say the spirit of loyalty has gone out of our society. People aren't loyal anymore. I don't like that, I leave you. You know, uh, I don't agree with what, I got my truth. So I don't want to hear, you know, I've got my truth, I'm out of here. There's no, people aren't even loyal to brands anymore. And I believe God is shaking our fidelity, even spiritual areas, because God wants us to be relied upon, to be trusted. Our friends need to trust us. We need to be people of our Word. We need to turn up on time. When we say we're gonna be there at eight, we'll be there at eight or five too. We've got to start bringing faithfulness back to the forefront, because God is shaking all this right now. This is bread, uh, bread and butter Christianity. Number four shaking is verse five and six. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say without, with confidence, the Lord is my helper. What can mere people do to me? As I was writing this yesterday, I thought, wow, 1983. I'm in a menswear store. My boss is offering me the whole business. I was only a young kid, you're 18, 19, something about 19 years of age. The bank manager comes over from across the road and gives me $10,000 in a bag saying, if you, buy, if you stay in this business, because God had called us to serve him, then there's more money from where this is coming from. Now, to give you a picture, my house was at Ingle Farm, 21 Mary Leonard Drive, Ingle Farm. Paid $21,000 for the house. So when you're given $10,000, that's half the price of a house. I've discovered, friends, that when God puts a dream in your heart, the devil comes up with his version of it. And God was calling me into the ministry, but I like the idea as an Italian to one day have a Ferrari. <laughs> to one day have the two-storey house with the big pillars at the front. No, 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 not the, the cream brick with the big pillars, where did they get that from? I wanted to have the car, the clothes. My boss said to me, you can have all your clothes for free. I thought, wow, that's fantastic. And then the call of God comes and I don't even know what I'm gonna earn. Dare did we ask in those days, what are we gonna get paid? We never, did Tony, we never asked those questions. God called us, that's it. And you know, my friends, 1983, I get the call to go to college, we got no money. We don't know how we're gonna survive. And people started rocking up at our door, we didn't even know, with checks, food, saying, we don't know why we're doing this, I hope you're not embarrassed by it, but we felt God wanted us to, to do this. When you seek first the Kingdom of God, He doesn't look after you last. Seek first the Kingdom of God. The love of money, making money and having a gift of, to make money is great. And, and we need Christian business people that do that. But it's the love of it that God is allowing to be shaken because many have gone astray. The next one, nearly there, guys, I'm gonna be really quick. Number five, our followship. It's not a, a one word, followship. Verse seven, remember your leaders who taught you the Word of God. Think of the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith, not their fashion. We're here to follow the example of faith. Can I say this because time is moving very fast? I just wanna say this, you know, it's not about blind loyalty to leaders. It's biblical loyalty to leaders. 
And it says, obey those that have proven before you. I've got men and women in my life that have served Jesus for their whole life and I look at their life and I go, why wouldn't I wanna follow that? It says, obey your leaders in verse 17 because they must give an account for your soul. You can't obey anybody. You have to obey people that have an account for your soul, that love you that much that they'll stand before God and give an account for how they lead you. That's the kind of shaking that's going on in the church because there's levels of loyalty to trends and to fads and people are getting disillusioned. But I wanna tell you, God is building a kingdom that's unshakable and we're gonna see leadership restored to its proper place. Number six, our faith. Verse 14, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. I don't serve God to get all my rewards down here. I serve God because there's an eternal promise. And I, li- I, I couldn't have got up again after losing a son if I didn't believe in eternity. And God is shaking our faith because it's not all about what happens here. There is an eternal promise for us. God is shaking our faith. And the last one is He's shaking our function. Verse 21, may He equip you with all you need for doing His will. May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to Him. How can we do all this staying at home? In isolation, because we don't want to go to church anymore because of COVID. You cannot do Christianity in isolation because we've all got a function to play. And that function is to give our gifts to each other. If the musicians can come, please. You see, after we allow these changes and shakings to happen in our lives, there is the after of obedience. As I close, God shakes to heal, not to hurt. The shaking is for the making. He shakes friendships to build biblical unity. He shakes the focus so we have clarity. He shakes fidelity so we get back to loyalty. He shakes our finances so we live with integrity. He shakes our followership because we need to be people of accountability. He shakes our faith because we live for eternity. And He shakes our function because if we're Christians, we have a responsibility. As I conclude, I love the afterlife of God. Let's embrace the shakings of God. They lead us to freedom, not fear. These are the best days for the church. I believe it, I get excited. I read John Bevere this morning. He said, God doesn't test us with evil. He tests us with obedience. And as we obey, the shakings of God are good because they heal us and make the church beautiful so that when they look at the Bride of Christ, they don't say her lipstick's running, her hair's in a mess and she's got holes in her wedding dress. No, look at the Bride of Christ. Not perfect, but going in the right direction. Father, this morning, can we just bow our heads in prayer? I pray for all the people here today that have been going through some incredible shakings, but not fully understanding, is it the devil? Is it God? Is it my obedience, disobedience? And while every head's bowed and even online, if you're watching and you've been going through some shakings and you just wanted this morning to say, God, okay, show me what you want me to do. Teach me what you wanna do. I wanna grow. I don't wanna groan. I wanna grow. And I wanna learn from these shakings so I mature into the person that God created me to be. If you're going through shakings this morning that have really affected your life, 
Can you slip up your hand wherever you are across the room? Thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, family. We're family. We're all, I've been through them. We all go through them. Father, I pray for those that have raised their hand and even those that haven't, that are going through stuff right now that feels like nothing is on a good foundation. Will you just, Lord, take these few words today and let them be an encouragement. But also as we go back and check out your Word, that you'll give us individual promises and words from your Word that will keep us keeping on in our faith and trust in a God that's building an unshakable kingdom. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.